0: Now, today on the show, we have psychic and medical intuitive, Julie Ryan. And as a medical intuitive, she's able to medically scan your body for whatever is going wrong and send you to the proper doctors or diagnoses to help you. She also talks to people on the other side. She talks about past lives, helps people prepare for death, and so much more. It is a fascinating conversation. And her perspective on... What is happening as you die is pretty remarkable. I think you're going to be pretty inspired. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Julie Ryan. How are you doing, Julie? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my dear. I really, really appreciate it. You have been doing some very interesting work in your life, and we're here uh, to kind of demystify a few things that uh, people are terrified of. (laughs) And that's uh, what I kind of do on the show. And and uh, as they say, um, everybody wants to go to heaven, but just not now. <laughs> Good way to put it. Everybody wants to go, but not right now. <laughs>
1: well, I got a, I got a spoiler alert for you. Everybody goes
0: eventually. Eventually, oh, everybody goes to heaven. Uh, exactly, but nobody wants to go right this second. <laughs> So, uh, so my first question to you, my dear, how did you start this, uh, this journey uh, of the work that you're doing?
1: Well, I'm a businesswoman. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's founded nine companies in five industries, and I am an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world and former manufacturer. And so I tell people I'm a businesswoman who learned how to do woo woo. And I'm a buffet of psychicness. And all of this is learned, Alex. Everybody has the ability. I teach people all over the world how to do the stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. Everybody has the ability. It's just learning how to do it. And then enhancing our natural abilities and practicing. So how it all started was I had a friend 30 years ago give me a book called Hands, called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace. Mm -hmm. who called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? And so I read her book because I was inventing surgical devices and was in the hospital supply industry for 30 years. And so I read her book and I wanted to know more. And back then we didn't have the internet yet. So I did the old fashioned thing, Alex, and I went to a bookstore. I went to a Barnes and Noble. Stop, a Barnes and what? Sorry. Barnes and Noble, I'm (laughs) dating myself. (laughs) And because I wanted to see what else was available on this topic, and I found a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, who is a former NASA physicist who parlayed very complex quantum physics principles into understandable English for me, for the layperson, the non-scientific mind. And... I called her school, she had a school, and I asked if anybody was teaching this stuff in my area, and sure enough, there was. So that that's how my journey started. And really, where it truly began was I saw Shirley MacLaine on Oprah, decades, oh, yeah. probably 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. And she was talking about the spirit stuff, and I thought, okay. And then fast forward 10 years, And I get that book, and so I think the initial seeds were laid by Shirley McLean, and also I was born and raised Catholic, and little Catholic children are taught about guardian angels and saints and and the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. So that's you know that's a foundation that was laid initially, and then Shirley McLean, and then the the two books that I just mentioned, and here I am all these years later.
0: She really was a a trailblazer in so many ways because she was she had the 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 fame to bring attention to something. I remember when I was growing up I'd heard, you know, there was all the whispers and the jokes and the things talked about, oh, she's uh past lives, oh my gosh, she's lost her mind. She really took a big hit for coming out and doing what she did. It's pretty remarkable and she I don't think she gets enough credit for being that trailblazer of talking about spirit the spirit world and past lives and things like that in a very public way in the western world no less i agree now you were you mentioned a little bit about quantum physics uh and i always love when quantum physics meets spirituality and how that combined what were some of those basic understandings did you learn from that book and can you say the title of the book one more time for everybody
1: yes hands of light okay hands of light What she did was she used Barbara Brennan, this former NASA physicist, used very complex quantum physics principles to facilitate energetic healing. So it's it's about what we think we attract. And what I have learned over all these years of working with tens of thousands of people around the world is... Our heads are like big satellite dishes, Alex, and they receive and they transmit frequencies. So whenever we want to get in touch with a spirit, whether it's attached to a body or not, because we're all spirits attached to a body having a human experience, we've all heard that term before. Mm -hmm. And it's a great description, I think, of what's going on. But in order to get in touch with any spirit, you just think of them. And then it tunes our satellite dish head to their frequency because every spirit has a frequency that they keep throughout all of their lives. So it's like tuning to a radio station. And then you have a, like a two-way radio that is available and we can communicate. And you don't have to have known them before. You can, who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to Elvis or Moses or Joan of Arc or whoever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just think of them. And that immediately turns your satellite dish head to them. So that's what I use in all of my medical, intuitive, and energy healing work that I do. Because I connect into the person's spirit, and then it's like I'm a human MRI. I can see in my mind's eye broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, cancer. I just got a phone with a client who has been suffering for years and years and years and years, And nobody's figured out that she's got mold toxicity. She's got a bad mold problem in her home. Wow. And I got her on my radar. Her whole body is inside. Her energy field is covered in mold. It was so thick, Alex, that it was like I was cutting it with a pair of ER scissors to get through it. And she is so sick. She's got lesions on her brain, but the doctors are saying it's not MS. It's not this. It's not that. We don't know. We want to give you an anti-anxiety medicine. <laughs> she don't need an anti-anxiety medicine. She needs to you know, detox from the mold and find someplace else to live.
0: Well, let me ask you, it's, from, it's interesting that you come from the medical supply field. So you're essentially in the medical field. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, guys, I'm... I'm going to be an intuitive, medical intuitive. I have to believe that your colleagues, uh, when you went public with this, must have had, uh, it wasn't a why, widely accepted at the moment that you came out with it, especially at the time you did. So uh, I'm assuming. So please correct me if I'm wrong, but was it like that? And how did you deal with that?
1: Well, I first came out of the closet, out of the woo-woo <laughs> closet or into the woo-woo closet, whatever, uh, By by with my book angelic attendance and i talk about what happens as somebody's dying and how we're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones the spirits of deceased mm-hmm. pets and you are absolutely right it took me several years to get enough golden ovary courage to do that you know guys have breast balls girls have golden ovaries obviously so obviously. I, thought, I thought oh my god people are just gonna think i'm nuts and the thing that really got me over that hurdle, Alex, was I was lecturing at a business conference of C-suite executives, primarily men in Austin, Texas. And, at the, and I had just put my AskJulieRyan.com site up, but I thought, oh, okay, here, we go. here we go. Here
0: we go. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: So after my talk, this guy comes up to me, he's got his iPad open and it's got AskJulieRyan.com on there in my picture. And he says, is this you? And I want to say, duh, yeah, that's my picture. And he's, And I thought, oh, here we go. And he said, I'm really interested in knowing more. Can we sit together at lunch? And I said, sure. And inside my head, I'm thinking, I'm just going to get pummeled throughout the whole lunch hour. Well, fast forward, I'm at a table of eight with seven guy, C-suite men. We didn't talk about business at all. We talked about woo-woo the whole time. They were fascinated. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know yeah. how does this work? What can you see what's going on? And I thought, okay, this is my sign from God. You know, move forward, continue, and everything's gonna be fine. And that's that's that happened probably five or six years ago.
0: And I'll tell you what, the same thing happened to me when I opened up this, this, this woo -woo kind of show. And I was afraid of people and all of a sudden people coming out of the woodwork, like, so channels, how does that work? Really? Near death experiences? Really? Like, can you tell me more? Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And everybody has the ability to do that because we all have had experiences, Alex, where we think. Uh, oh my gosh it's such a coincidence i was just thinking of you this morning sure. and you call me or you text me or you email me or i run into you somewhere and you think oh what a coincidence there's no coincidence there that's your satellite dish head connecting with their frequency and you guys are in sync and that's how it works and it's super easy
0: to do once you know what to do now you wrote a book about the, what happens after you you pass uh, and you talk about the twelve phases of transition. I've spoken a lot to a lot of near-death experiencers, uh, and I've heard a, a lot of different stories. But generally speaking, there are everyone's different, but there are certain points that I, I keep hearing again and again. Can you explain to to the audience what your twelve transitions, as you know it, are?
1: Sure. Mine is what happens as we're dying, as we're transitioning. Okay. There's lots of information out there about the afterlife and about near-death experiences, but not much about what happens as we're dying. And people are so afraid of that because we've seen movies like Ghost, you know, where there's evil spirits coming to get you. There are no evil spirits. All spirits are pure love. That's let's establish. It's, a, it's that. a good. It's a good movie, though. I do enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good movie, <laughs> but you know, it's it's they're trying to elicit an emotional response. Obviously, a you need job.
0: you do need a you need some sort of bad guy, or else the movie doesn't work. Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> so, what I see in my mind's eye, Alex, is what I call the twelve phases of transition, and it's a sequence of events that involve angels the spirits of deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets that form a a horseshoe. They start out in a circle, they form a horseshoe, opens up into a straight line as the person is getting closer to departing. And so I can scan anybody anywhere in the world and instantly tell you what phase of transition they're in. And it gives us information to help us bring in family, bring in loved ones. People take time off work. They travel vast distances to be with loved ones at the end of their lives because they want to be there to say goodbye. This really helps. It also helps comfort people because they understand, okay, my grandparents are there. My I'm describing to them. I had somebody recently where I said, okay, there's all these family members around your mother, but there's also a goat. Does that with the dogs and the cats and stuff, does that mean anything to you? And she said, yeah, she had a pet goat when she was a child. Well, that's random, but the goat spirit was there. So people find that very comforting that that transi- those transition phases so, happen.
0: So, okay, so explain to me. So when you're saying transitions, are is it the transitions as they're dying, meaning that yes. they're still alive, Correct. they haven't completely transitioned over yet. And these are the phases before they actually die. Correct. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about this? So we we it's they're starting to, to they're coming around. They're like, okay, we're get, getting ready for we're getting ready. And is there a time period or is it like, is it a couple of days before, or it could be an hour, or a few minutes before? How does that work? Well,
1: everybody goes through the 12 phases of transition. Time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time's a human creation. I'm sure you've heard that before. Mm -hmm. And so everybody goes through the 12 phases, regardless of how they die. So the 12 phases can happen instantly. Like in the case of a homicide or suicide, they can last over days, weeks, months, even years. I have a gal that called into my show for two years. Her father was in phase 11 of 12 for two years. So everybody does it based on what their spirit wants to explore and experience interesting point about the 12 phases too is there is now university based research that corroborates everything i say from the spiritual standpoint because the research shows alex that 90 plus percent of people at the end of life see report seeing their deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets either in visions or dreams as they're approaching death yeah. So I love it when science catches up with woo woo-woo, woo because woo woo's been around a whole lot longer.
0: <laughs> okay, so all right, so can you just kind of can, I, can I give like a, a quick uh, like a quick list of these twelve transitions and then maybe we'll jump into a few of them?
1: Sure. So how I can tell if somebody is in one of the phases of transition is the spirit exits the body through the top of the head and it hangs on attached to the top of the head. It looks like a speech bubble in a cartoon. Right. that you'd see. And and then the first spirit that comes in is always the maternal line. So if the person who's dying's mother is deceased, it'll be the mother that comes in first. If she's still alive, it'll be her mother. She's If the gr- maternal grandmother's still alive, it'll be the maternal grandmother's mother. It's always on the maternal line. That's the first person, first spirit that comes in. That surprised me. I thought it'd be like an angel or Jesus. Know, maybe maybe Jesus or God had like a air traffic control tower that was regulating all of this, you know, here on earth. I didn't know. And then the paternal spirit comes in and it, again, it's always on the maternal side. So if your dad is still alive, it's going to be your maternal grandfather who's going to show up. It's always on the maternal line and so forth. And then what happens is they call in these angels and Catholic girl, you know, angels look to me like they look like in the statues because that's how I was taught they appear. Spirits are going to appear to us in a way that it makes sense to us so we can recognize them. These are big old angels, (laughs) Alex. They're like six, seven feet tall. They got big wings, the white gown, the rope, belt, the whole nine yards. Is that what angels really look like? Who knows? That's how they appear to me so I can recognize what the energy is. And then But as we get closer to death, that circle opens up into a horseshoe, and then more spirits of deceased loved ones and friends and family show up. Then about phase seven-ish, phase eight-ish, that's when the pets show up and the pet spirits. And it can be dogs, cats, snakes, whatever, farm animals. It's hilarious. I'll say- did your grandmother grow up on a farm or does she live on a farm now? And we will say, no, but she grew up on a farm. I'll say, yeah, I know. You know, there's cows and ducks and chicks. So, on, and, so in India, there might be a pet elephant that shows up. There out. might be, you just never know, or a <laughs> panther or something. Sure, exactly. You know, you never know. But about halfway through, Alex, an interesting phenomenon occurs and it's two extra angels show up and they're on either side of the spirit bubble on top of the person's head. Those near-deathers that you talk about, a lot of them talk about going through the tunnel. That's what's happening. That spirit exits, goes through the tunnel, and hangs on to the top of the head. So about phase nine, between phase nine and phase 10, those angels on either side of the spirit bubble, their wings start to move. And the movement of the wings reminds me of a giant owl's wings. I've ever seen a documentary on a giant owl, you know, the wings are slow and rhythmic and they're silent, but they, you can almost feel the drag when you watch them. And they, the, that movement of those angels wings creates a vortex above the person's spirit bubble above their head. And the first time I saw all this was when my own mother was dying. And that's what I talk about in my book. And I thought, oh my God am I hallucinating? Am I having a hot flash? What is this? But I knew that it would be somehow connected with the spirit disconnecting from the body.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: So that goes on. And then what happens is Phase 11, the spirit disconnects from the body. The angels escort the spirit to heaven. It's always up and to the right. And I was thought, okay, what's up with the always up and to the right? And I talked to a, a uh, engineer at a conference where I spoke recently. And he said, well, yeah, I think he was a physicist too. He said, you know, when you're in a vortex and you're unscrewing something and something's coming up, it's gonna come out and go to the right as it comes out of the vortex. I said, well, duh, that makes sense. One other really interesting point, when I was researching a few things from my book, Angelic Attendance, I just was led to do an internet search on owl wing vortex. Come to find out, there's this thing called the wingtip vortex that everything that flies, whether it be an animal, a bug, a bird, a plane, a jet, a kite, there are these vortices that form that cause lift, causes upward lift. You Google wingtip vortex, you will see tens, if not hundreds of thousands of aeronautical engineering drawings and articles about the wingtip vortex. So I thought it was amazing that here's this movement of these angel wings in the spirit world that's affecting something in our physical world that is a real thing and science can explain it. And it causes the upward lift. Mm -hmm. I thought that was remarkable. Very
0: cool. So then what are the last few stages?
1: Phase 12 is the angels escort the person's spirit to heaven.
0: They open the door. Now, this is where the near-death experience can change depending on, if near-death meaning if they come back, but the experience can change based upon the person's beliefs, the person's, because it's, it's, I think what you're talking about is full transition. What I'm talking about is near-death, and near-death experiences are a little bit more. Uh, depend. The, the production value could be a little bit different than your normal than the normal transition. I love the way we talk about this. Uh, the normal because the normal transitions means that this is you're going through. Um, but in near death experiences, like I said, Jesus shows up, Buddha shows up, Shiva shows up, um, Grandpa shows up, your, your third grade teacher shows up. It all depends. That is not in a normal transitional phase. Whether that be quickly, like in a car accident or in, you know, dying of old age or an illness, slower process, this all happens at that time. Is that a fair statement?
1: Well, yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Sure. So this, these spaces of transition can happen instantly or they can take days, weeks, months, years. My understanding of the NDE with talking with people and reading about it and all of that And and my understanding in working with all these thousands of people and thousands of spirits over the years is that our spirit decides all of this. We decide where we go, when we go, how we go, who's with us or not when we go, what the circumstances are. And the NDE, that's part of what that spirit wants to explore. They want to explore that feeling of bliss, of total love, of oh my gosh, there really isn't anything to be afraid of. And that spirit wants to explore, okay, I've got that, now I'm gonna come back and live my life and do what with that information? Because it's all up to our spirit. Our spirit is the one that decides whatever's gonna happen. I use the analogy a lot, if somebody's shot with a gun, well, we think, okay, that was the murderer yeah, the murderer shot the gun, but the person who died, it was their spirit's prerogative to die from that gunshot because there are plenty of people that get shot that don't die. Mm. So it's always the spirit's prerogative. And it's been my experience that the NDE is part of that spirit's prerogative. They want to explore and experience that phase and then come back and take that information and implement it into their lives.
0: Now, the phase that you're talking about, you said earlier, like phase, this one client of yours, the, the father was, a grandfather was in phase 11 for two years. So you can sense that you can just go there and you're like, oh, it, they seem to be in phase 11 because X, X and Y are there. And <clears throat> this is the next step. But how long that takes is relative to everybody's experience.
1: It's all predicated on what the spirit wants to experience of that person. So this gentleman was the father of a caller into my show, Mm -hmm. and he had Alzheimer's. And whenever I'm helping somebody transition, whether it be the person themselves, which I have many times, or it's a family member who's called and I'm working with the family, I always ask three questions, Alex. Are you ready to go? What do you need? Are you in pain? And they'll answer me. I'm asking them telepathically, even if they can't communicate anymore mm-hmm. to their families. And I'll get a yes or a no. I'm ready to go. Are you in pain? Yes or no? Get that answer. What do you need? That runs the gamut. It can be.
0: Well, a Big Mac hey, would be nice.
1: I need chocolate. <laughs> I need a sweater. I need magazines. I need my, may I share my favorite? Yeah, Sorry. please please. Uh, This was a dear friend of mine and her father was taken off the ventilator and they thought he'd go right away. Well, it's like a week later and he's still hanging out. And he kept saying, when I asked him what he needed, he kept saying, I I, I need her to file my quarterly estimated taxes. (laughs) He said, really? (laughs) He said, yeah, I really do. So finally, she was so <laughs> exasperated, her name's Angela, Angela called me, she goes, what the heck, what does he need to go? So I'm talking to him, it's like a, you know, a psychic long distance conference oh. call here. And he said, I need her to file my quarterly estimated taxes. And she just said, okay, for God's sakes, where are they? He said, they're in my desk, in my bedroom, middle drawer on the left. I said, just go to his house, see if they're there, put them in a mailbox. What have you got to lose at this point? She did just that. They were exactly where he told us they were going to be, Alex. She filed, she put them in the mailbox, went back to the hospital. He died a few hours later. Now, fast forward, she was the executive of executor of his estate. And by the taxes being filed on the day that he died, it saved her so much headache down the road when she was trying to settle his estate. So he wanted her to file his taxes. The check was made out. There was a stamp on the envelope. All she needed to do was drop it in the box.
0: Wow. Isn't that wild? Julia, I have to ask you. So when was the first time you were witness to this or got this information? With my mother,
1: with my own mother, when yeah. she was dying
0: in 2002. Was someone telling you, hey, Julie, uh, write this down. This is phase one. Is this face to, Or did you kind of come up with this terminology?
1: No, I came up with it because the first time I saw it was with my own mother. And it was, <sighs> I, I kind of felt like a schizo because here I am grieving my mother. And I talk about that in my book, Angelic Attendance. So I, I'm grieving the loss of my mother as she's dying. And at the same time, I'm watching all this spiritual stuff happening. And I thought, all right. And my mother was a principal and a teacher. Before she was a principal. So that was her parting gift to me and to the world. So then I I helped several other people as they were transitioning, worked with their families, worked with them. And I kept seeing the same sequence of events. And then this is a fun story, how this all came about in the book form. I was with my mentor one day and she was doing a healing on me. And when I'm on the massage table and I'm covered in a blankie and she's doing an energy healing on me, my deceased loved one's spirits line both sides of the table so I can see them. My parents are there, my grandmother, my dog even. Yeah, it's hilarious. And one day, Alex, this um, spirit it dressed as a pope showed up. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. So I asked him, I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, I never heard of a Pope Clement. And he laughed and he said, I was number six. Okay, how may I help you? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies because it's been so bastardized and people are so afraid. And you know, you've seen it. You've helped many people. This is this, you need to just teach the world. And I said, I'm a businesswoman. People are gonna think I'm nuts. I'm not doing that. And he laughed. He said, yeah, 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 just get on with it. So I go to get in my car to leave a little bit later, and I just for kicks, I just Googled Pope Clement the Sixth. Alex, come to find out this guy was in office during the Black Plague. He's known, best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I thought, Ryan, you can't
1: make that stuff up.
0: Right. So oh my he's God. my
1: main spirit guide and he's been around. He treats me like a Nike ad. He just says, just do it. Just go do go, it. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: So that's so, how it all came about. So let's talk a little bit about, you just said spirit guide. Can you talk a little bit about our spirit guides and who is guiding us through this adventure that we're on down here uh, in, in this physical form from between spirit guides, angels, relatives, uh, mm-hmm. other ancestors, or even just other you know spirits uh, ascended masters who might be with us to help us fulfill the missions that we set out for ourselves in a lifetime
1: we all have a guardian angel that we keep throughout all of our lifetimes which i think is right cool. oh so we have we have the one, we have one at least one
0: who's with us all of our lifetimes and in between lifetimes so that guardian angel is is like assigned to us <laughs> or or we have a an agreement with that guardian angel from this entire this entire time. And yeah. they're always with us at any every time. That's it. and again, you found this out how? Just by well, just from talking with, you know, tens the other of
1: sides. thousands of spirits.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, Funny. fair enough.
1: 30 years worth of it. I don't even know how many. Got it. Yeah. I had a I had a fun email a couple of days ago. A gal called into my show and she wanted to know her guardian angel's name, and I got bartholomew but the angel said but you can call me bart for short if you want and and so she said fine so she's like yeah i don't know about that so she was talking to bartholomew and she said okay bart you know if you're if that's really your name i need to have a sign and i need it fast she said she went to the grocery store within the next hour and the checkout boy she said this is teenage boy on his name badge it said bart and she said in her email who names their kid bart (laughs) And I said, obviously his parents did, but that was a fast, (laughs) you know, answer to her request. So so um, we have
0: one one guardian angel, which
1: is one guardian angel. And one other fun thing about guardian angels is when I first started talking with them, Alex, they would give me these names and they'd be like 15 letters, all consonants. And I'd say, how am I supposed to pronounce that? It's either a dead language or a language from a different reality or something. So I said, can you give me an American English name with a nickname that I can pronounce? So now the names are usually way easier, like Bart, like Bart. or Max or Sam or something like that. So yes, we, have, we all have a guardian angel. We all have spirit guides. When I scan somebody and their spirit guides, I will normally see seven that are behind them at any given moment. And they all look like a version of father time to me. Picture Dumbledore from the Harry Potter movies or Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, old man, white hair, white beard. And then when we talk to them directly, then they morph into looking like what they look like in the lifetime that they live that best correlates with what they're advising on, the person on in this lifetime. And so there's those all of our deceased loved ones and friends, not just from this life, but from all of our lifetimes. And so it's this multitude, you know, you hear about minions, it's minions and minions of spirits that surround us that are our supporters. And we're all part of some people call it the collective consciousness. I call it source. So imagine that there's an ocean and you're a drop of water that goes into the ocean. Well, you as a drop of water are separate. As soon as you go into the ocean, you're a source. So that's who it is. I believe, based on my experience, that these different entities are a fraction of source to help our human minds understand them. Because we don't have a frame of reference for source as it exists we don't, in human form, it's hard for us to understand that. Mm -hmm. But when we think of, okay, I'm talking to Pope Clement and he's advising me, well, it's source. It's my spirit. It's his spirit. It's God. It's the angels. It's, you know, all my deceased loved ones and friends all working together, communicating to me. Through the image of Pope Clement, so it's easier for my human mind to understand it because that's how we are raised that you know you go to experts for information
0: right exactly and and these these spirit guides and everyone you've talked about it does um you know does for lack of a better word, Jesus or Buddha or you know whoever you know a, a yogi or whatever are these spirits there? Uh, as well to kind of guide you through this process and do the spirit guides and angels and other um, beings around you kind of not only guide you through life by giving you little pats on the side to make sure you stay on track to what you agreed upon, but do they also open doors for you, opportunities, bring this person into your life when it's time, kind of like when Pope Clemens showed up and said, Hey, this is what you need to kind of do. That was a, that was a little, little little, little nudge at that moment in your life that you needed to see. Is that fair?
1: I would say yes to all of the things that you mentioned. Yes, we are free will is there is not one set path when we're born. That's not been my experience. My experience and throughout all of these years has been we all come in to create and then create what? Well, that's where your free will comes in. In the spirit world, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It's just an experience. And every experience expands our spirit. It's what all those past lives are all about. When I'm working with past life things on uh, with clients and with people who call into my show, I will see a semblance of a script that will repeat throughout multiple lifetimes. Different perspective on the same thing. Different place. Different time. Different Gender, different set of circumstances, same basic script. And an analogy I like to use for that, Alex, is think of Hamlet. How many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in 1602? Who knows? Same script, but where was it performed? In what year? What was happening in the world? In what language? By whom? You know, all those variables will create a different perspective on that same script. And past lives are interesting to me because the best analogy I've heard for them is they're like a strand of pearls. They're all pearls on the same strand, but they're individual pearls, all strung together. And so each lifetime we'll explore and experience things. And then the next lifetime, perhaps we'll look at some of those same things that we explored and experienced from a different perspective. And, and then that helps us understand.
0: But when you're born into a life, generally you have uh, a set of skills or abilities that come in with that life that will lead you in a certain direction. Say, you know, like a perfect example, my, my ability to communicate has been probably one of my great gifts throughout my life as a film director, as a podcaster, as a writer, as all the things that I've done in my life. But if I say tomorrow I want to be an NBA player, Eh, it's probably not going to work out so well. Even if I would have done it at the proper age, it wasn't something that I would have been able to achieve with the skill set and the specific skills that I was born with. So I kind of leaned into whatever my gifts were, as I said, same thing with music, same thing for intellect, same things for ability to understand quantum physics, things like that. Would you agree or disagree? I would disagree with that. Okay. Please. I
1: think we all come in with things that we want to explore and experience mm-hmm. and and we all decide where we're born, when we're born, to whom we're born. The circumstances into which we're born. so our lives can have a basic trajectory that will right. allow us to explore and experience things. Somebody who's interested in music may choose to be born to a couple of musicians and go to Juilliard and then go on from there. Is that kid necessarily a savant? On the piano, no. But when he goes to Juilliard, he's going to be trained to be a someone. I think Tom Brady's a great example of that. Tom Brady wasn't even drafted until what? Like the
0: was he even drafted or was? it I think he was one? like like the last round, like yeah. eighth on the last round or something like that. But if you look at Tom Brady, uh, for everybody listening, Tom Brady's a famous quarterback, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. When you see his his test, like feel like his uh, audition, if you will. I was watching it the other day. It was, it was pretty bad. Wasn't that yeah. particularly great or inspiring, or like, "This kid has the goods?" There's nothing to say that that was going to be. He was going to become the greatest quarterback ever to play the game and play it longer than almost anybody has ever played it before. But he developed those skills along the way. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor now back to the show, but those skills were inside of him that he, he developed, chose
1: to, but he chose to develop them. Correct. I have a communications degree. How did I end up being an inventor of surgical devices? Right. Are you a doctor? No. Are you a nurse? No. Are you an engineer? No, but I can hire really good engineers who can draw up my ideas and plans. And then we submit them and I get them patented in my name. So I developed that. You know, was it something that I set out to do? No. Was it something that I was looking to help people? So I think my coming in, what I wanted to explore was how can I help people from a medical Mm -hmm. standpoint, from other standpoints? And I've used everything, all the nine companies I founded in five different industries, all have served the masses, including the one that I'm doing now with this medical, intuitive, and
0: psychic medium stuff. The woo-woo stuff that you're The into. woo-woo stuff. This insanity, this insanity, Julie, that you're in right it's now. It's
1: hilarious. <laughs> I know, it's really fun. And the funny thing about this, Alex, is my consultants that, uh, you know, with whom I'll, I'll meet occasionally and they'll say, well, what are your goals? I, said, I don't know, I don't have any. I said, well, how can you not have goals? Didn't you have business plans in your companies? I said, every one of them. But this one, I don't. I'm being led and everything shows up at the exact right time, at the exact right people I need to meet. And it's been a blast and it continues to be a blast. It's the most fun I've had in anything I've ever done because I'm allowing and not trying to control it with a business plan.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that your journey that you've taken up to the point where you became uh, a medical intuitive, all of that experience in business and all that helped you, all those skills helped you launch this business in a way that made it instantly successful based on the knowledge and experience that you went through the other way. It's kind of like it was like building up a set of tools in a toolbox to get you ready for because you were going here. Obviously, this is a place that you were going to go and you were It's kind of like predestined in your own soul plan soul blueprint. This is something you want to do, but you had to go through all this other stuff because you, oh, you need to pick up all these other skills along the way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and I think all of us can look at our lives and in retrospect and say, okay, that led to that, that led to that, that led to that. Certainly with the medical intuitive and energy healing part, I was telling a client this morning on a call who has bad arthritis. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I get somebody on my radar That's like the CT scan in my mind's eye or the MRI. Uh, Arthritis looks to me like a um, kind of a crunchy, white, crusty substance that reminds me of a battery that has expired, like in your flashlight, you know, that Mm -hmm. white, crunchy Mm -hmm. stuff. And I said to this gal, I said, that's what it looks like on the screens in the operating room when a joint is being scoped. I'm an inventor of orthopedic surgery devices. I've seen bazillions of those surgeries and watched on the monitor in the OR real time. That's what arthritis looks like when they are scraping it out. So that's my frame of reference. So perhaps I have things that are going to come into me in a way that it's going to be a frame of reference based on my life experience. And then I get crazy ones too, like stem cell energy looks like a light amber colored gel that reminds me of Dippity Doo hair gel when I was a kid. and then <laughs> And then DNA healings. When I watch that, DNA looks like a strand of paper that you see inside a fortune cookie with a fortune written on it. So, I mean, the the analogies that come in are hilarious at times, but they're they're meant to give us a frame of reference for this energy healing stuff. And we don't have a frame of reference for it from our human capacity at this stage
0: of the game.
1: So it's really been fun to watch this stuff evolve
0: so when you, going back to the transition, it's what you happened what happened with you and your mother, would that be a shared death experience? No, it was okay. me
1: witnessing what was happening on the spiritual Level. side of the equation okay and And what I've come to realize now is that when people die, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's just True. awful for most of us when we're losing a loved one. And yet, there's a glorious component to it. Mm -hmm. So what I find is that when people know about the 12 phases, whether it's as a loved one is transitioning as they're dying or afterwards, it brings so much comfort to them, especially during the pandemic, when there were so many people that died alone because their loved ones weren't allowed in the nursing homes or the hospitals or wherever they were and people have agonized over that there's so much extra grief that my mom died alone or my dad died alone nobody dies alone everybody's surrounded by angels and multitudes of deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets always
0: do you know from your experience do you under, do you know what happens after that vortex what happens yeah. after the 12
1: transitions?
0: Yeah. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
1: Again, this is how I perceive it. So other people may have a different perception of what happens. So Angels escorting up and to the right. I was going to call my book Angelic Escorts. And my son, who's an adult, said, Mom, mm-hmm. it sounds like a call girl service. You can't name it. that.
0: Cannot said, okay. it's a bad branding. Bad branding. It's yeah, <laughs> like mom, no, that's not going to work.
1: So they escorted him and then the pearly gates look like a plasma wall to me and so the the person spirit goes through the plasma wall and the in the plasma wall is this brilliant yellowish whitish light this brilliant like blinding go through it the plasma wall closes up immediately there's no trace that you went through it and then as soon as they get there then the deceased loved ones' spirits are there to welcome them. I call that the welcome to heaven committee. And they're all there waiting. And I had a a client recently, we were talking with her deceased dad, and he was just saying, it was like a magic trick. He said, all these loved ones' spirits were in the room as I was dying and I could see them. And he said, then when I got to heaven, they were all there. He said, it was like, You know, a magician will have the girl in the box and then he spins the box and the girl isn't there anymore. He said it was great. It was so interesting. And um, so there's that. And then that's where their spirit is with all their deceased loved ones and friends. Interesting point. There's this procedure that I do, this technique that I do, that's kind of like a dress rehearsal when people are afraid to die. And I call it the walk to heaven. And I will disconnect my spirit from my body and I'll get their spirit and we'll walk through the sand. We'll walk into the setting sun. We'll walk through this vortex. We end up at the plasma wall. We go in, they see their family members. Spirits are there and their friends. Then we come back. I reattach their spirit. I reattach my own spirit. It works every time, Alex. It's so fascinating. 100 hundred hundred percent of the time, it allays their fear. Most of them are people that have been brought up in a religion or a culture where you're either going to fly if you're good, or you're going to fry if you've been bad, <laughs> or maybe you'll fry just for a while in purgatory, you know, trying to cleanse yourself so that you can fry. None of that exists. Everybody goes to heaven, no matter what. All spirits are pure love. The snarky personality. Traits of people stay with the body when somebody dies and everybody goes to heaven. Like the movie, all dogs go to heaven, all people go to heaven too.
0: I, that's interesting too, because even from my own experience, when you even talking to people who've talked to other uh, people or souls on the other side, their personality stay with them. So if they were kind of, you know, like snarky or funny or crotchety, um, that kind of sticks with them a little bit.
1: They'll play that. That's a part they play to help their loved ones who are still
0: in human form understand that that's really them, right? Exactly. If yeah. If, if yeah, because if they're not, they they won't even understand who it is. That's in right. in your experience, the the concept of life reviews and all of these, you know, I've been a council of elders, all these ideas I've heard um, commonly in near death experiences. The soul does eventually have to go after the plasma wall. They go through these ideas to kind of like go over what they went through. All right, what did I do right? What did, how did we learn from this? Where do you want to go next? That kind of conversation, or from your experience, how was it? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: Yes, they do. It can happen in less than a nanosecond in our understanding. Once we're in pure spirit form, we're in heaven, which is non-physical, we under, we have all knowledge. We understand everything. Mm-hmm. So we can look at that, but it's instant. It's less than instant. so we' we get it. We're like, okay, when you were mean to your little brother when he was four and you were five, here's how it felt to your little brother. We get all of that. It's not like we sit in a room. In a classroom and you know watch powerpoint
0: presentations all day that and on january 1972 that's this right. body, that's right. remember when you took the lollipop exactly. from the store exactly <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so we have universal intelligence the cool thing is we have access to universal intelligence when we're still attached to a body but because back to our satellite dish head principle All you have to do is think of something that connects you to that frequency of those thoughts. All thoughts have a frequency, like all spirit has a frequency. Mm -hmm. That's how somebody like me with no medical background becomes an inventor, no engineering background. I'm on that frequency of here's a problem. Here's what I need to do to solve this problem in the operating room. I'm getting that information downloaded into my head. And that was way before I knew anything about woo-woo. We all do it. How do you know how to fix something, or how do you know how to deal with somebody who's sick? How do you know how to? We we all have experiences in our lives where we're guided. We all are getting those nudges that you alluded to before. Most of them go you know unheeded. Every once in a while, we'll go. Okay, how did you know how to do that? I don't know. The idea just came into my head. And that's how it works. The cool thing, too, is that spirits and angels are never going to interfere with our lives. They're going to nudge us. They're going to go, okay, hey, what about this? But they think whatever we're experiencing is great because there's no right or wrong in the spirit world. It's just an experience and it expands our spirit, everything we go through. So they're not going to ever interfere, but they certainly will help us if we
0: ask for their help. Right. And and the nudges are generally, they're, they're small nudges. But from my understanding, because there are lessons that we have to learn in our lifetimes, we bring in ideas of, of lessons that we're bringing in that we want to explore in this lifetime. And if we continuously, you know, date the wrong person, <laughs> don't have a certain, let's say, perfect example is like, uh, oh, I keep getting taken advantage of by the people who I am dating. Or, or marrying or something like that. And these concepts, and it just keeps getting stronger. Like you don't face it and it just keeps getting stronger and worse and worse until finally you get slapped across the face by the universe, if you will, for you to learn this lesson. Um, or you carry it on to the next lifetime to learn the lesson that you're supposed to learn. Do you want, has any of that kind of information come into your, your viewpoint during this work?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And some people would call that karma. And karma can have a negative connotation to it, like, you know, you were crappy to your wife in your last life, so you're going to have crappy wives in this life. You know? <laughs> but but it goes back to that frequency of those thoughts coming in. So our thoughts create our reality. If we believe that we're always going to get taken advantage of, well, guess what? That's the frequency we're putting out. We live in an attractive universe. We're going to get more of what we're putting out. and that's. A lot of what I teach too in my classes is how do we know when we're having a thought that's authentic? How we know is it's either neutral or feels good. Mm-hmm. How do we know when we're in fear? Everything that feels bad is based in fear. The key is to be able to discern between what's a real fear, or what's a fake fear, real fear, something's going to harm you or kill you, change the conditions before it does get out of the road before the truck runs you over, right? Right. Mm-hmm everything else, which is 99.9% of the thoughts we think that feel badly are all based in an irrational fear that's false. And they're based in limiting beliefs that are also false that we picked up along the lines of our childhood, our young adulthood from parents, grandparents, teachers, the media, whatever. So I, I do this, this game called the two minute rule. And I actually have a book coming out in a couple of weeks called the two minute rule. Nice. And it, and it, Here's here's the gist. When you feel bad, anything that feels bad, any emotion that feels bad is based in fear, anger, jealousy, boredom, whatever. When you feel badly, you just ask, is this gonna kill me in the next two minutes? It's a yes or no answer. If it's yes, change the conditions, get out of the road before the truck runs, you over. If it's no, you know it's fake. You're gonna laugh. A lot of the times you're gonna go, oh, for God's sakes, no. What that does is it keeps us out of fight or flight Number one. Number two, it keeps our clarity intact because when we're in fear, we lose clarity. True. So it's a really good technique that works in any situation. It's free and it's convenient because it works anywhere your brain is and your brain's usually
0: with you wherever you are. Now, there's another concept you've spoken about before about parallel realities. Yeah. Can you kind of, you know, I mean, right now, the quantum, uh, the uh, multiverse is a very big concept, kind of hitting the zeitgeist in a very, very big way with, you know, big movies are coming out and quantum physics are are, are talking about multiverses and parallel realities and things like that. I'd love to hear your point of view on it.
1: Makes my head want to explode trying to understand it (laughs) from a human perspective. My understanding, and I get a yes on this, that this really does exist, is that there are multiple realities happening concurrently, simultaneously. The best explanation that I've heard about this is recently from an astrophysicist who said, if you think about a star and you'll hear, okay, it's 100 billion light years away. Okay, great. Well." We can't even begin to understand what that means. But he said, if you think of it in in that format, that star was visible in all of those seconds of all of those hundred billion years, and it's visible now. So it's visible in all of those moments simultaneously, concurrently. And that's how multiple realities work. That's the closest thing I've gotten to of an explanation of it. I think there are certain concepts that we will never understand in human form. But as soon as we transition and we're in just pure spirit form, we're instantly, we'll be like, oh, well, duh, that's how that works. But we don't have a frame of reference for it in our human capacity
0: at this point. Now, those parallel realities are ourselves living other lives okay that's what i
1: hear which is like mind-boggling but i also hear i think of in the bible it says we're made in the image and likeness of god well most people think that means god looks like dumbledore you know some old man white hair white hair white beard no i believe that it means that we're like god in spirit form And so if God is everywhere all at the same time, so can we be everywhere all at the same time if we're made in the image and likeness of God in spirit
0: form? That's kind of my interpretation of it. So then the concept of past lives takes on a whole new meaning because you could be living a thousand lives right now. At the same time. All at the same time at different points of view. So in other words, Every feasible way that this conversation could go is happening, where there's one that we're laughing hysterically, there's one that we're cursing at each other, where there's one that we're doing all sorts of different things, there's one that an elephant falls into the room for no apparent reason, like there's all these kind of ideas because I've heard of that concept of like uh, that we're living this life, but every possible I- I version of it I-, I don't know
1: I don't i don't resonate with that alex what i resonate more with is yeah we're having this experience together right now and we're creating it as we go Mm -hmm. and we're also living in 1921 in you know tacoma washington working at a a, you know working at boeing or someplace (laughs) something like that and Past lives are so much fun because oftentimes we can get information that we can corroborate with historic documents online.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: And that happens all the time and it's so much fun. And then to what I mentioned before, I'll see, we'll see, a semblance of a script that that person was exploring in that lifetime still happening in this lifetime, just from a different perspective. And it makes lots of sense when that so, happens.
0: So can you, I mean, we have to talk a little bit about past lives. Since we haven't oh, so, so what is your experience with past lives? And does, I mean, because I've heard of concept called generational karma that you bring in through your your family line, if you will, of, of the soul group that you were dealing with. I've heard of, and you know, obviously the concept of karma, bringing it in. Like if you were thrown off of a, of a uh, Mayan temple or an Aztec temple on a sacrifice in this lifetime, you might be a little shaky at heights and you have no idea why there's no logical reason why there's somebody else who's working towers and looks down and doesn't have a problem with it because they weren't thrown off of. And sacrifice on top of an Aztec <laughs> In pyramid or yeah. something along those lines. Is that is that what your experience is? And please just tell me a little bit about your experience. Oh
1: no, I got stories at the yin-yang Yang about past life stuff. The past lives are are really fun. And of course, I'm an entrepreneur, so I have to do past life scans differently than everybody else. Most people do hypnosis. Well, I I just want to cut to the chase. Let's get. You know, let's get the information and move on. So I envision myself in this endless hallway. It's very narrow walls, very tall ceilings, maybe 40 foot tall ceilings. Each wall is lined with vertical and horizontal mirrors, big square, 12 inch by 12 inch type mirrors. Each mirror represents a different lifetime. And so I'll ask a question like, you know, was Alex a communicator in a past life? Are there any past lives that are, Affecting Alex being a great communicator in this life. The ones that correlate will cut the mirrors will come out from the wall as if they're on a hydraulic arm. And then I'll say, show me the one that correlates the most. That one will come out the farthest. I'll see myself jogging down the hallway yes. and I'll walk into the mirror. Oh, you'll like walk in. Oh. I'll walk Oops. in. It's like I'm walking into a scene in a movie. It's like Alice going through the looking glass mm-hmm. and I'll be given where it was, when it was, what was going on. It's like, I'm watching a movie in my head oh my and God. we'll get information. One of my favorite stories is I was working with a guy who's, uh, he's deceased now, but he, at the time was the CEO of a, of a publicly traded huge company and he had cancer and Uh, so we, he wanted to know if there were any past lives that were contributing to this situation. So we did the past life. I'm in the hall of mirrors thing. And come to find out in a past life, he was this British Admiral who was in the late 1700s. He, He commanded the Atlantic fleet, and he was best known for some big battle with the French. Okay, fine. I don't know British Naval history. Okay, great. We get the year, we get his name, we get his rank, we get all this stuff. Everything was online the battle, his name, his rank, head of the Atlantic Fleet, all of that stuff. And the gist of it I mean, that's fun when we get that, but then what's the correlation? Correlation was he was used to commanding massive amounts of people and he was very good at leading, not so good at receiving. A cancer in this lifetime was forcing him to receive from his wife, from his family, from his doctors, from his caregivers, and he hated it because he wasn't in control. So that's how we can take a past life situation. And that's why I always ask, show me the one that correlates the most with what's going on in, for instance, in Alex's current life, and then we'll be able to get that Connection of, okay, what's he exploring in this life? And he ended up having a remission. You know, he was cancer free for several years and then it came back with a vengeance and it took him out. But his spirit wanted to explore what it was like to receive. He did. He was forced to from an illness. He was able to enjoy some more of his life and then he was ready to go to heaven.
0: Julie, I can keep talking to you for hours. I mean, this is so much fun. I mean, the story, I'm a storyteller. So these are just wonderful stories uh, that we can get into. Uh, but I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a good life? Joy. Living a life of joy. What is your definition of God?
1: Source. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? To live a life of joy and to serve
0: others. Doing and, so. And um, where can people find out more about you and what, you, uh, what you're what you doing in the world? AskJulieRyan.com. Mm-hmm. And
1: anybody that's listening that would like a free copy of my book. Just and see, I have props, Alex.
0: <laughs> I'm like a game show
1: girl. <laughs> Angelic attendance. What happens as we transition from this life into the next? Or I have a bunch of children's books that I've written, too angel Beautiful. messages series and they're darling look at these they're beautifully
0: illustrated beautifully yeah, illustrated
1: darling uh just go to askjulieryan.com. go to ask julie page say hey i heard john alex's show i'd love a free copy of your book and we'll send you a digital and an audiobook download for free and i will just put as that a gift like, for listening
0: I, I appreciate that so much and i will put that link in the uh, the show notes into the youtube description as well uh and do you have any final words for our audience?
1: Everybody can do this stuff. Absolutely everybody. It's a matter of just developing and enhancing the skills that we all come in with. Everybody has the ability. You're doing it now. You just don't realize it.
0: Julie, thank you for being on the show. It's been a ball having you on the show and talking to you about all of this. And thank you for the work that you're doing in the world and helping people. So thank you so much. Thank you too. I want to thank Julie so much for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. Thank you so much, Julie. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 217. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.